Welcome to Healthy and Happy, a program sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NCUFM, your education and wellness station. It's NCU 91.1, 91.3, and of course 91.5. We have so much in store for you this week, so we invite you to stay tuned. I'm your host, Adis Jonas Murphy. Thank you so very much for staying with us right here on Healthy and Happy. It is your education and, of course, your wellness station. I am so privileged, I'm so honored to have in studio with me Dr. Nastasia Tate. She is an OBGYN. And, you know, by mentioning that, you know, me uttering OBGYN, many of you will be saying, oh, Yes, 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 it's the doctor that, right, that same doctor that does that same thing. <laughs> so Dr. Tate is an, is an obstetrician gynecologist. And today we're going to be focusing on a condition that affects so many women worldwide, endometriosis. Have you ever heard that term before? Yes, you have. Dr. Tate, we are so delighted to have you in studio. Welcome. Thank you, Addis. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Not a problem at all. Now, before we get into the interview, Doc, there are some interesting facts about endometriosis that we can find, you know, all over the place, online, wherever information is accessed. And there's this one that I came across. It says, endometriosis affects an estimated one in 10 women during their reproductive years, usually between the ages of 15 and 49, which is approximately 176 million women in the world. Now, these facts are produced by the World Endometriosis Society and the World Endometriosis Research Foundation. Doc, one in 10 women will be affected by this thing in their reproductive years? It's a pretty significant number. They do have a lot of patients that present with features in keeping with endometriosis. And the more we talk about it is the more patients can, you know, align themselves to each other like, oh yeah, this is happening to me mm. and actually seek medical intervention. So right. I'm very, very happy to be here. And I think it's an awesome topic for us to discuss. Wonderful. Thank you so very much, Doc. No, endometriosis, it's a big word, it's you know. Word. <laughs> it's a fancy Fancy medical yes. word. Uh, <laughs> but let's get into its definition. What is it? Uh, what is it all about? What is it? So endometriosis is a medical condition that refers to the tissue that is usually found in the lining of the womb. Mm -hmm. It is found elsewhere. So it can be found outside the womb. It can be found at the back of the womb, the pelvis, mm. um, the bladder, the bowel, the ovaries. It really can be found anywhere. So essentially a tissue that is usually only found inside the lining is phone elsewhere outside mm -hmm. the womb. That is endometriosis, simply mm -hmm. put. Wow. Is there a known cause for endometriosis? So there is no exact cause for endometriosis, but we know a couple of things. So one, we know it's hormonally dependent. That is, mm -hmm. it behaves and responds similarly to how the tissue inside the lining of the womb behaves. Mm -hmm. We know that there is a familial or hereditary link. That is, if your sisters, if your mom, if your aunts have endometriosis, you likely, mm -hmm. you are likely to have endometriosis as well. We also know that there are things that put you at increased risk for endometriosis. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you started to have your period very early mm. or you go into menopause very late or if it is that your menstrual cycle is very short so you're having very frequent uh, menses so every less than every 27 days mm -hmm. or if your duration of your period is long so it's longer than the seven days um, 
per cycle, then those things definitely increase your risk of getting endometriosis. But the exact cause is mm-hmm. not known. Well, mm-hmm. you're a, an obstetrician, gynecologist. I am certain that individuals present themselves with these symptoms ever so often. But how often really do patients come to you with this kind of condition presented? Well... A lot of times patients will come complaining of very heavy period or very mm-hmm. painful period, which mm-hmm. are common um, symptoms, symptoms of endometriosis. But endometriosis is not the only thing that can cause heavy, painful period. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of sifting through the history, right. examination, evaluation mm-hmm. to decide whether or not endometriosis really fits the bill. But we see it relatively often. I see it relatively often in my practice. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. What are some of the symptoms associated with it? You hinted at the heavy period. The heavy period mm-hmm. and the pain for period. So very classically, people will come presenting saying, Doc, my periods are excruciating. I can't go to work. I can't go to school. I cannot function. And they typically will have pain that starts about two to three days before mm-hmm. the onset of the period. Mm-hmm. That gets really bad during the period. And by the end of the period, will taper off in the intensity. There mm-hmm. are people who have continuous pain, so mm-hmm. outside and within their period. And that's called, you know, chronic pelvic pain. And this can be continuous or it can be like in a cyclical manner. Mm-hmm. There are persons who will present with pain painful sexual intercourse and that can be positional but Mm -hmm. it's also due to where the endometriosis is located Mm -hmm. so for instance if the endometriosis is found at the back of the womb Mm -hmm. then sexual intercourse can be very painful and that's a common reason why people would present as well Mm -hmm. heavy periods so you know lasting more than the seven days or flooding um, again is a common symptom of endometriosis if it is that the endometriosis is you know deposited on the bladder or Mm -hmm. on the bowel you can have painful deficit or painful emptying of the urine. So mm. it really depends on where the endometriosis is located. Mm-hmm. Your symptoms tend to correlate with that. I've even seen patients who have bleeding from their navel on a wow. monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And that's because the endometriosis is deposited at the navel, at the umbilicus. And remember I said earlier that it is hormonally um, responsive or it behaves just as how the mm-hmm. endometrium in the lining of the womb behaves. Mm-hmm. So every month you'd have uh, your menses and that's because the lining of the womb is shedding. Right. But if you have that endometriosis at the level of the navel, Mm -hmm. then it responds similarly and it sheds and it bleeds or, you know, the navel gets swollen. And when you aspirate, you open, you Mm -hmm. realize that it's just blood that is coming from it. So I've seen that. Not as common as the other presentation, Uh but about two or three patients I've seen with endometriosis at the navel. Mm. Are there stages of endometriosis, though? You do have stages. So Mm. it ranges from like a minimal level of endometriosis to severe or critical. Again, that's dependent on the the amount of deposits, where Mm -hmm. the deposits are, and how thick or how um, heavy the deposits are. That's how we'd classify minimal, mild, moderate, severe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Why does endometriosis cause so much pain, though? I know you talked about the growth that happens outside the lining of the uterus, but what is it that actually causes that um, severe uh, pelvic pain in some mm-hmm. cases and, and other kinds of pain? Right. So, as I had mentioned earlier, it behaves just as how the endometrium in the lining of the womb behaves. Mm-hmm. So, just like how when you have your regular period, you have bleeding and you have pain, mm-hmm. because of the hormonal response of the endometrial tissue and the uterus, it behaves similar. So, wherever it is, it will behave similar, causing the pain and bleeding. 
So if you have a lot of deposit in the pelvis, mm-hmm. you're going to have additional pain, not only pain from your regular period, but pain from the endometriosis. And that has to do with the, um, the inflammatory response that mm-hmm. occurs. So if you have uh, inflammation anywhere in the body, pain mm-hmm. is associated right. with it. And endometriosis is a very inflammatory type of condition. Mm-hmm. So you, you have pain based on the inflammatory response. Mm-hmm. But are there ways, though, to control inflammation in the body and in particular inflammation around the endometrial areas? Mm-hmm. Right. So in terms of management or even to control pain, very commonly we would advocate for analgesia, so regular painkillers. Mm-hmm. And it can range from over-the-counter painkillers or even very strong painkillers that you have to get prescription for. Mm-hmm. Also with the treatment, if you don't regulate or decrease the hormonal responsiveness, mm-hmm. then the pain will also improve significantly. So that would be our mainstay of treatment for mm-hmm. the pain. Just delving a little bit into the other treatment options, your doctor may also you know, ask you to do a surgical procedure where the actual endometriosis deposits are removed and that too mm. will help with the pain. I'm thinking, obviously during pregnancy, mm-hmm. you will not be menstruating. So does endometriosis present symptoms during pregnancy? So most people will say that their symptoms improve during mm-hmm. pregnancy. You're not menstruating. The hormonal right. response that you get, you know, on a monthly basis for your menses would mm-hmm. not occur. Mm-hmm. So most people have improvements in their symptoms in pregnancy, but some people actually actually have worsening of their symptoms. Mm. Mm-hmm. You see, I don't want to tell all you ladies out there, you married ladies, to go and get pregnant every minute just to control oh, your, your endometrial uh, pain. <laughs> People do but that. Seriously? Of course. You have seen that before. Yeah, I mean, because they don't have any symptoms with their periods. Uh-huh. So that's a good, you know... Escape. Escape. <laughs> you know, that's a good nine months without your pain, your endometriosis pain. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm seeing, though, that a lot of uh, younger women, you know, in their 20s, 30s, mm-hmm. are presenting with symptoms of endometriosis. Is it related to the food we eat, the products that we perhaps use? You know, do those things affect hormonal levels and balances in the body? Endometriosis is not directly linked to any like food consumption. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that is the link. What I think it is more is that, you know, we're, we're speaking out a little bit more about our symptoms. We're seeking medical interventions earlier. And mm-hmm. as a result, the diagnosis is just being made earlier. Mm-hmm. I think it's more that than, you know, the type of food that we eat, etc. Um, they have done studies, mm-hmm. but nothing has been shown to be positively increasing your risk of endometriosis. There are some studies that show that certain foods, mm-hmm. you know, worsen your endometriosis symptoms. So things that are like high in fatty, so like right. saturated fats mm-hmm. or gluten. And I mean, the list goes on. And there are things that they say will improve your endometriosis symptoms. Mm-hmm. But in terms of a direct link, mm-hmm. one has not been made. Okay. You talked a little bit about diagnosis. Uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. How is endometriosis diagnosed? To make the diagnosis of endometriosis, this can only be done during a laparoscopic surgery where we make mm-hmm. small incisions or small cuts on the tummy mm-hmm. and we directly visualize the endometriosis in the pelvis. A sample would then be taken and it would be tested for the endometrium tissue so you get a cellular diagnosis Mm -hmm. so we look at the cells and say okay this is endometrial tissue which should Mm -hmm. not be here on the back of the womb hence it's endometriosis Mm -hmm. now to do that repeat that word for me let me write it down so it's a diagnostic (laughs) (laughs) it's a diagnostic hence to make a diagnosis laparoscopy Uh and it's simple where we just you know 
access it to me through small cuts or incisions right. and we take a sample of the tissue that we see so you mm-hmm. directly visualize mm-hmm. it and that is sent to the pathologist and mm-hmm. they will evaluate the cells and say yes this is endometrial tissues or this is endometrial cells mm-hmm. hence this is endometriosis mm-hmm. now that whole process might be a little bit um, costly so it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people mm-hmm. so the diagnosis can be made from a clinical standpoint as well and it's called pres- it's a presumed diagnosis of endometriosis mm-hmm. because you won't have the cell law um, confirmation mm-hmm. or evidence so if it is that your symptoms you know are in keeping with endometriosis if mm-hmm. it is that your examination is in keeping with endometriosis and we offer you a treatment option and you respond as we'd expect you to with endometriosis mm-hmm. then we can make the presumed diagnosis of endometriosis mm-hmm. but to get the definitive 100% without a shadow of a doubt right. diagnosis you'd have to get cellular confirmation or Interesting. I am learning so much on Healthy and Happy. I'm so happy for this wonderful program aired right here on NCOFM 91.13 and 5. It is your education and wellness station. I'm having a discussion with Dr. Nastasia Tate. She is an OBGYN. I just like those one, two, three, four, five letters, <laughs> you know, obstetrician <laughs> and gynecologist. We're talking about endometriosis. You know, it's, it's a condition that affects so many women. Perhaps you listening right now are affected but it causes so much pain, especially every month when you see your periods. We looked at a working definition, what it is, how common is it? Uh, Doc shared with us in our practice that ever so often, you know, she sees patients with endometriosis. Is there a known cause for it? Um, still, you know, unfortunately, from the medical standpoint, there is no set cause for endometriosis. But just a while ago, Doc, we were talking about diagnosis, how we diagnose endometriosis. And I hope I pronounced this word correctly. You said um, uh, laparoscopy. La- thank you for pronouncing it. Laparoscopy. Laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Laparoscopy diagnosis and also a clinical diagnosis, correct? Mm-hmm. And um, with the clinical, you would not have the physical evidence, but as long as the patient responds to, to treatment based on the symptoms that they would mm-hmm. have presented and, um, you, you know, then one can presume that it was um, endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And laparoscopy there is actually the physical incisions that are made to take tissue and, of course, test it. Interesting. Question, Doc. So, how can I prevent endometriosis? Can I prevent it? I don't know that you can prevent it. Uh-huh. That's the truth. I know that there's a lot of literature that exists mm-hmm. about food that, you know, prevents it. But again, the studies don't really show a positive correlation. Now, if it is that you have a hereditary or familial predisposition for mm-hmm. endometriosis, then, that you know, there's no preventing that because that's already ingrained in your DNA, in your mm-hmm. genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, as the exact cause is not, you know, clearly defined. identified and mm-hmm. defined, then hopefully if we knew that, then mm-hmm. we can then figure out how to prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the risk factors, as you mentioned, just increase your risk. Mm-hmm. That's not an absolute thing because you'd have patients with similar risk factors that mm-hmm. don't have it and others with the same risk factors that, you know, will get endometriosis. So what makes one person get it over the other? Mm-hmm. You know, that part is a little bit uh, mm-hmm. unclear. Mm-hmm. You know, some people might just be saying right now, this is just my cross is Your to cross carry. To carry. My, not yeah. even cross, my cross <laughs> is to carry. But um, to bear. I am putting myself in the shoe of mm-hmm. um, some of our listeners who are coping with this challenge. Uh, how do I cope with this thing monthly? How do I um, 
deal with this thing monthly. I mean, it is so painful. I've gone to the doctor. I've been given medication. I've been taking medication from as long as I can remember. It's not getting any better. How do I live a normal life with endometriosis? So endometriosis can significantly affect your quality of life. Mm -hmm. So your mental well-being, your physical well-being, your emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. And that's commonly one of the things that, you know, patients would come complaining of. They're frustrated. They're tired. They've tried different options. Now, the truth is there's not one bill that fits all. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with your physician, you may have to go through different treatment regimens or treatment options until you find something that works for you, Mm -hmm. right? What works for your neighbor may not work for you. That's just the truth. Mm -hmm. And so you definitely have to prepare yourself mentally to Mm -hmm. try different options. Also, things outside of medication that we can always employ that can improve your symptomatology is basic things like your diet and exercise. As you mentioned, there are some patients that, you know, find if they do a gluten-free diet or they have a diet high in omega-3 or if they eat, you know, avoid dairy products, their symptoms improve significantly. Mm -hmm. Things like eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and whole grains. So going back to the basics Mm -hmm. of eating healthily can improve your endometriosis symptoms and the inflammation that can occur generally in the body. Exercise, like support system is very, very important. I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah, we definitely can't underscore the significance of having a healthy, good support system, which you can get from your social circle, from Mm -hmm. your immediate family, from your physicians. There are lots of support groups online Mm -hmm. that I know you can join and it helps to know that there's somebody that feels the same things and understand your symptoms mm-hmm. and can relate totally with that and you can you know feed, get feedback from them what works what don't work you can try right. it you can figure out if it works for you so mm-hmm. we cannot underscore the importance of having a good support system mm-hmm. that you can find in different avenues I'm not 100% sure if we have a support group in Jamaica right. but I know that they do you know we do our endometriosis walk mm-hmm. every year and, in and support we who group, this is what Ministry of as in um, ministry, right? So, like mm-hmm. different health organizations would okay. do their endometriosis walk, and everybody's in their pink, and mm-hmm. it's you know the pink tutu. It's mm-hmm. actually very fun. <laughs> I, I think I've done it once or twice actually. Uh-huh. And um, but if we don't have a support group in Jamaica, that's definitely something that we should do, yes, right? Because yes. I can imagine that people in the Caribbean of Black ethnicity may present differently or have similar mm-hmm. symptoms than mm-hmm. say or you know a Caucasian counterpart. So this mm-hmm. is definitely something that we should look into if it doesn't exist in Jamaica. Mm. Do you think that there's a stigma? associated though with um, having endometriosis in in terms of how how they are viewed how individuals having the condition are viewed because it affects their quality of life so much or you think persons are more willing to be empathetic or sympathetic um there may be. I think just because people deal with pain differently and people process pain differently. Mm-hmm. So someone saying, boy, I'm having a really bad period. Right. Um, I can't go to work. Somebody may not be able to relate to that because their periods are perfectly fine and they're up and about regularly. Right. Happy as a lot. So happy as a like, like, you know, there's absolutely nothing. And then there's somebody else who is in the corner of the room, cannot move. Mm. So if you can't relate to that, you may want to, you know, underplay it. Mm-hmm. But I really do think that there's enough information out there and we speak about it often enough and mm-hmm. um, definitely in comparison to five ten years ago right. where people are a little bit more understanding a little bit more tolerant or open to you know accepting what endometriosis is and how it can significantly affect your livelihood or just your quality of life mm-hmm. what happens if this thing is left untreated though 
So endometriosis can have many complications. It's primarily dependent on where the endometriosis is. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if it's on the ovary and you have what we call an endometrioma, mm -hmm. which is just an endometriosis cyst on the ovary, that cyst can rupture, it can burst. Wow. Now, if it bursts, a couple of things can happen. You can have severe excruciating pain or you can have bleeding inside the abdomen. Mm -hmm. So remember I tell you, it responds and behaves just as how endometrium behaves. Mm -hmm. So it would bleed. Now that, depending on the severity, can lead to having an emergency surgery mm -hmm. to correct what is happening. The mm -hmm. endometrioma or the cyst can get infected, which mm -hmm. will have its own sequelae of um, complications. Mm -hmm. If it is that the endometriosis is affecting the tubes, you can, so the fallopian tubes, you can have scarring or blockage of the tubes mm -hmm. that can significantly impair your fertility mm -hmm. or have subfertility mm -hmm. because the egg and the sperms are no longer able to meet for right. fertilization. Right. Hence, you, you know, you don't get pregnant, you have mm -hmm. difficulties getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, you can have chronic pelvic pain, which can be, you know, severe mm -hmm. and significantly affects the different aspects or facets of your life. Um, the link to cancer is very, very, very rare. So that's not something that I'd worry too much about. But mm -hmm. those are the common complications that you can have with endometriosis. Mm. But is it possible to have uh, severe endometriosis without not knowing though? Because you said one of the symptoms that presents is, is pain and heavy bleeding. Right. So some people have endometriosis and they don't have any symptoms. So wow. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. I learned that bit mm -hmm. right here on NCUFM. Um, just another one that comes to my mind. Uh, this condition, endometriosis, it, it affects, as we've mentioned before, the livelihoods of individuals. But um, how would you encourage those who are affected by the condition, affected uh, by this disease, to persevere in spite of their current condition, their health challenges? Well, first of all, if it is that you can relate to anything that we've said today, mm -hmm. you need to seek a professional or medical help. Mm -hmm. So that's your first, you know, avenue for help and for relief of your symptoms. Mm -hmm. And through your history, examination, investigation that your physician may offer, you may have a significant improvement in your medical um, condition. Your support system, again, mm -hmm. we spoke about it or alluded to it a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. That's something that we also need to um, encourage and foster so carry your spouse mm. to the doctor's visit so he too can understand what right. is happening like carry your mom whoever it is that you live with mm -hmm. so that everybody can be on the same page everybody can understand what is happening and how best to assist you throughout these periods um your diet and exercise the stuff that decreased inflammation in the body, those things can help. Um, join a support group. Those are the different things that you can, you know, pull on mm -hmm. to try to improve your your quality of life. Mm -hmm. And hopefully a combination of those things can carry to a place where you're still able to function, mm -hmm. do your daily activities, still able to enjoy life and mm -hmm. still able to, you know, function adequately. Yeah, you know, as you were speaking a while ago, I'm thinking to myself, especially for those women who are in relationships, mm -hmm. communication is so critical, mm -hmm. especially, you know, um, with, with your partner. Right. Let them know the symptoms that are present. Well, probably they existed before marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, those are conversations you need to be having with a person you intend to spend the rest of your life with. For sure. But especially in marriage now, um, some men may not, you know, truly understand how painful this is for mm -hmm. women. And so the, the expectation, you know, expectations with, with sexual intercourse mm -hmm. and so on, um, they can really throw off the, the balance in a relationship. Mm -hmm. so. I love when the men come to the visit. Like, mm -hmm. I like, I love when they're there for the obstetric visit. Right. Because whatever happens to the female significantly affects, affects the relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, the relationship between the man and the woman, the relationship between the woman and her kids and the mm -hmm. household activities mm -hmm. and everything. 
So when the men are informed and they're empowered, I really find that they're more supportive mm. and a little bit more understanding. So in the office, we have mannequins that we can say, okay, this is where the endometriosis is. This right. is how it's, you know, can affect this organ. So when you're able to visualize it mm-hmm. and then you put that with the symptoms that you see your wife have on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. it then becomes real. Wow. And then becomes almost tangible. So you mm-hmm. understand exactly what is happening. And hopefully with that, you can be able to support her better mm. and support the family better. Mm. Wow. Thank you so very much, Dr. Tate. Now, I- I'm sure that many of you listening would love to get in touch with Dr. Nastasia Tate, OBGYN. I mean, yeah, looking looking for a great one. She's right here, unhealthy and happy. Um, Doc, you have several practices all over the island. I really don't know how you do it. I always wonder, like, how doctors do Are you in the public sector too? I am. Wow. Okay. So just <laughs> list everywhere you are and um, the numbers, of course, associated. Okay. So... Actively, I'm at Dunwabin Medical and Wellness Center, which is at 24 Dunwabin Avenue, uh, Kingston 10, and that's shop number four. And the office number is 755-3362. I'm also downtown, so the Waterfront Medical Center. And again, that is shop 10, office center building. And the contact number for that office is 630-8051. And... Last but not least, <laughs> I'm at Edgewater Medical Center. So that's Edgewater Medical Center, 3 mm-hmm. Debbie Avenue. And that number is 988-2258. All right. So from Don Robin, that's the boulevard, to mm-hmm. Portmore, Edgewater, to Waterford. Mm-hmm. Also in Portmore. Well, no, Waterford. So it's Waterfront downtown. Oh, Waterfront. Yes, I Waterfront so Medical sorry. Center. Waterfront Medical Center, mm-hmm. downtown Kingston. So, Doc, you have a lot on your hands, but guess what? You're making a huge difference in Jamaica land we love, and no doubt the rest of the world. We thank you so very much for your time. We thank you for committing to being with us and for being with us here on Healthy and Happy. And, of course, listeners, we hope you have learned uh, so much more about endometriosis. I know I learned a lot, yeah. So the next time you encounter someone suffering from this condition or going through, experiencing this condition, you will be able to be a little bit more sympathetic because you have information that can definitely help to assist the individual. If it even means just being an active uh, support, a strong support to this individual as they go through their challenging period. Thank you again, Dr. Tate. Elder Errol Vaz, thank you for your time too, sir. And on behalf of everyone here in studio, I'm Adise Jonas Murphy wishing you God's richest blessings. By the splendor and majesty of a king Let the people shout To the one who reigns on high Lift every voice and sing To the creator, redeemer, O Lord and King Our hands are lifted high You are the one who